What's going on, guys? We are back with the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We have a nice little host of topics for you today. But with me, as always, if he were group stage wins, I'd be Bayern München. It's Billy. We'll touch on that in a second, but another fantastic record for Bayern Munich. But like Lewis said, we've got a whole host of topics and we'll start in the Bundesliga where we'll have a look at Schalke. It just seems to go from bad to worse. We'll have a look at Borussia Mönchengladbach and also the team of the season so far, Eintracht Frankfurt. And then who could forget the man, the myth, the legend, one of Stoke City's finest exports, Eric Maxim Chupomoting. And we'll move over to the Premier League where we'll look at Brighton. And the grass isn't always greener, Graham Potter. And we'll also have a look at Jesse Marsh and Leeds. But without further ado, let's get to it. Well, should we should we have a look at the team of the hour? Seeing as they managed yesterday to pull off a last ditch push and make it into the round of 16 for the Champions League. Eintracht Frankfurt, I'm not gonna lie, I thought it's gonna be hard to top the 2018 DFB Pokal win against Bayern. You know, subsequently, they had a run of it in the Europa League, which was also amazing, and they got to the semis. But after that, it was kind of like, well, they're they're losing basically the star players that got them to those heights when they lost, you know, Luka Jovic, when they lost uh, Sebastian Halea. Um, it was that whole deal of, will they be able to sustain that success? And I think, you know, if we're looking at the resume four years later, you know, they... They had that amazing Europa League season last season, you know, winning the whole thing, get themselves promoted to the Champions League, even though the Bundesliga was, I'd say, less than solid from them. And now they're in the Bundesliga and they're in, you know, the top five. That's insane. And, you know, qualified for the for the round of 16. Yeah, literally. And I think I heard it yesterday on the goal show. I think Rafa Honningstein was saying it. The first team, or one of the first teams in their first Champions League season to qualify for the round of 16 at the first time of asking. That's insane. Which is I mean, ridiculous when you think they're only in the Champions League, not based off where they finished in the league. They're in there because of that Europa League win, which in itself was ridiculous. Exactly. You know, Have a look at the other finalists from that Europa League season last year. Rangers finished with the worst Champions League record of any team in the history of the competition. That minus 20, wasn't it? Um, I believe, yeah, minus 20. It was two goals scored, 22 goals against. So, yeah, not exactly a stellar record for the boys from Glasgow. You know, zero points. Who can forget that 7-1 thrashing at home against Liverpool where Salah scored a hat-trick in six minutes. But just just touching on uh, Frankfurt, I know they lost at the weekend to to Dortmund, but you know Jude Bellingham is ridiculous at the moment, and also so, the fact that VAR just slept. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't get much more blatant than that. A ram from the back, you know. It, the best part was Karim Adiemi was like, "Oh, do you know what?" In the post match interview, in my eyes, still wasn't a penalty. Um, 
he was there. I, he wasn't there one second, then he was there the next. And in my eyes, you know, there was contact, but there was no penalty. To be fair, you know, he did in hindsight then also say, you know, now I got to look at the scene and yeah, I have to agree with my teammate, uh, Schlotterbeck. He was, uh, it was definitely a penalty. But still, I mean, the fact that VAR took a look at that and didn't say a thing. It it wasn't a good it wasn't a good weekend for VAR in the Bundesliga either. Like you know we can we'll we'll touch on it a bit more because you know Stuttgart versus Augsburg also had a little helping of VAR madness. But you know coming back to Frankfurt, they only lost at the weekend because, well, arguably because of a refereeing decision. But um, it's it's and, not if we sorry if we discount the if we discount the the loss at the weekend. It's just looking at that team that played. It's almost a an almost perfect blend of age experience and sort of youthfulness because you've oh, yeah. got uh, Jesper Lindstrom who this season is taking his game to another level yeah uh, sort of alongside Mario Goetze who's come back in from exile if you will at PSV and it's been ridiculous yeah. for, for Frankfurt but you've got Randall Colo Moana I'm obsessed with him <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't try and get him on uh, in our kickbase league. I'll be honest, I think I've slept on that. But we're restarting after the World Cup, so it's fine. I, I have been I have been merciful in this regard, yes. <laughs> but it's you look at the bench as well, and they they've still got the likes of Rafael Santos Borre, Gibriel Sao, and Lucas Alario that they can bring on, as well as Al Mami Torre. Yeah, I was about to say, and that you've got you've got such a nice one. They keep they have this knack for replacing star players that, you know, they sell off for, you know, okay amounts of money. And I want to touch on Goetze as well. You know, not many players would have after the teams that he's played for gone and said, you know what, to restart my career and give my career a kind of a push at 28 years old, I'm going to go to, you know, as much as with all due respect, an inferior league with the with the Dutch league, basically re, basically rehabilitate myself, and now be you know influencing one of the biggest teams in Germany on the biggest stage, which is the Champions League. That 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 takes balls. Uh, yeah, I mean he, his his quality was never no, it was never under question, but it was just he had a horrendous time with. Let's be honest with Bayern. It just never really worked out. You say that, but that horrendous time, you know, everyone's everyone says it because you know, obviously, uh, you have the the fact that Pep Guardiola never really wanted him or had any use for him. Then he obviously also doesn't play that classic uh, center attacking mid. He always had you know the three that were interchangeable in the midfield, and there wasn't really any space. And Gutsu just kept being played. Uh, you know, on the wings where he, let's face it, that's just not his, that's just not his, uh, that's just not his style. You know, he is that guy who should be playing as, in that creative space. That is, that is where he should be. And, you know, if, if you say he's so bad at, he's, he was so bad at Bayern, but he averaged a goal every 214 minutes in the Bundesliga at Bayern, whereas it was every 264 for Dortmund. Well, look, that just, if anything, it amplifies the quality that he has when he's not playing his preferred position, still averaging that. Yeah. 
and now he, he had his time in PSV and he's come back and is do you think he goes to the World Cup? I don't see why not. Let's let's be honest. If there's a player like if you're going to tell me that Marco Royce is more deserving of a place than Mario Götze right now, Marco Royce has been injured more this season and has done arguably less for Dortmund. Yeah. And for me, I think Marco Royce just is that he is just that that I mean He's the one of the most unlucky players in terms of injury. He should have been a World Cup winner if it hadn't been for the final, you know, it was a 6-0 against Armenia and he rips all the tendons in his ankle in the final test match before the tournament. That's just rotten luck. But the guy has been plagued by injuries his this whole time. I'd argue that you take Malugetsa over Marco Reus. Well, there's all that stuff saying that Hansi Flick wants Jonas Hector to come out of retirement. Um, so I don't see why Mario Goetze wouldn't get in. But No, exactly. So they, they're, curr- they're currently fifth. Yeah. And it seems that Oliver Glasner, well, he's got them playing more consistently than last year. Oh, much more because you know, that was that was the whole thing we were talking about last year. They, you know, last year they were Mister Europa League, but then when it came to the Bundesliga, it was just eh, mediocre at best. I mean, that's the only reason why they're in the Champions League is because of the Europa League win. They wouldn't have managed even the Europa League or the Europa Conference League had it been, you know, hadn't it been for the Europa League season that they had. So, do you think top four? Is, is a possibility because I think the only team maybe that would drop down unless something implodes Union are probably Freiburg but again it's a difficult one because I can't see them dropping off or losing the the two games that it would take for Frankfurt to, to overtake them yeah I mean I think I think it's a difficult one because if you look at who Freiburg have now, it's Köln and then Leipzig. They're ah, both winnable. Köln, Leipzig, sorry, forgot. Good old uh, Union Berlin as well. So they've got a solid top, uh, you know, top four matchup on the thirteenth of November. Well, Leipzig are on your point behind them as well, so that could be massive. Exactly. So I mean, there there are a lot of ones. Um, but looking at this, you know, looking at the top, the top six now, I'd argue that those teams that are in the top six now don't change up all that much. You know, obviously the placement within the top six that changes, but I'd argue that we will see Frankfurt, Dortmund, Freiburg, Union, and Bayern all in some form of European places next season. Or at this at the end of this come at the end of the season. I think it'd be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find, you know, a Hoffenheim or Bremen who can crack the top six. And it's just the fact that Leipzig also have too much the teams up there just have too much quality. Albeit, you know, Freiburg and Union Berlin are you kind of have, you know, that fairy tale season going. And just Everything seems to be going right for them, and everything seems to be going their way. So I'd argue, yeah, Frankfurt, Leipzig, Dortmund, Freiburg, Bayern, Union, Berlin, 
that is your top six in no particular order. Well, funny you talk about the top six because uh, let's transition. Let's flip the table and talk about the team at the bottom because uh, it really isn't going very well. Managerless and now without a sporting director. Well, they were managerless um, up until last week when they got Thomas Reisen. But the whole the whole deal at that club was just it, it should it just is so backwards. They fire Frank Kramer, which, in my opinion, was a long time coming. He just wasn't the manager to keep Schalke in the Bundesliga. That just, I think that, without a shadow of a doubt, they made the right decision. The problem being then that Ruven Schröder basically said that about a week later resigns, and they were managerless and without a sporting director. And the reasoning has been very suspect because. Officially, Schalke put out uh, personal reasons being the reason for his uh, res resignation. Then there are other reports coming from left, right, and center that he apparently didn't agree with or wasn't being given free reign when it came to the manager's job. And specifically, his choice of replacement, Thomas Reis, who was the former manager at VfL Bochum was his pick but Schalke didn't want to pay the 300k release clause that they would have had to to Fallfeldbochum then Reis comes in after Schröder resigns and has said I paid the difference basically or I paid to get myself out of the contract of Bochum that for me is just it just has to be the fact then that Ruben Schröder had some massive massive differences with the board because he is on the board of directors as uh not only sporting director but he is the uh in charge of sport at Schalke. well still even still now no 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 he that was his oh, position he was. before he resigned okay, he exactly was. Okay. It, it doesn't sit well does it because if you're having a manager say oh yeah but i paid the difference to get out of this uh, okay. Um, it happens though because I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm saying the re if if you if the guy who if if he's asking basically yes, I want this guy, and then he doesn't get him, and then he resigns because he doesn't get him, and he isn't being giving you know he isn't being backed by the board for his choice, and then. Not a few days later, they get the exact same guy in. That's just stupid from Schalke, from a Schalke perspective. You know, if and the the Schalke fans who are basically saying, you know, oh, he's jumping ship or jumping a sinking ship and he's not going down like a captain should. Um, that man came in and got Schalke on the right track. The 18 months where he was at Schalke, he transformed Schalke from being a team down and out to getting back into the Bundesliga, like literally on the spin. And he did it with severe underfunding. So any Schalke fan who's basically like, oh yeah, Schröder shouldn't have left, you know, no one, that's just disrespectful. I'm like, no, if at all, it's disrespectful what the club did to him. I don't, I don't, 
it, it stuns me. I don't understand Schalke. I really don't understand Schalke because they used to be massive. Yeah. You know, they we're used talking to about be... a club that 15, 16 season, they were playing against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and Leroy Sane was scoring a goal. That's where Schalke were legit six years ago. Just think about that. I don't get it because they're going to go down again. They, I mean, the way not. the rate they're going, yeah, the rate they're going. You know that you've got minimum. If I ever, if I remember correctly, they've got minimum five games lost on the spin. Yeah, well, they've lost eight in total. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's here. The last game they won was, funnily enough, against Falfe Bochum on the 10th <laughs> of September. And since then, it's been one loss after another. Yeah, 4-0 to Leverkusen, 3-0 to Hoffenheim, 3-2 to Augsburg, 2-1 to Hertha, and then 2-0 to Freiburg at the weekend. But... Even though, I mean, the one nil against Dortmund, you can let slide, but again, you know, against teams like Freiburg, you arguably can be getting a point. Even Leverkusen, the way they've been playing this season, arguably should be getting a point. Hoffenheim, maybe not. Hertha probably should be getting a point, and then Freiburg, probably not. But you know, these are all teams that it's not impossible to get points against them, it's not exactly easy work, but it's not impossible. It's not, but I mean, they've got Werder Bremen on Saturday. And, uh, They're Nicholas, losing that. Or Nick, Nicholas Fulcrow is going to have an absolute. He's going to feast. In that I was about game. to say he's going to he's going to make it uh, he's going to make it a genuinely, Im- like impossible, or it's going to be impossible not to take him to the to the World Cup. Even if it's like a, a reserve role. Oh, he he probably wouldn't start, but I'm saying, you know, you need a presence like that. Even Hansi Flick himself has now said in, in an interview, he has a good presence in the box and something that we don't have at this at this moment in time. So for the, the national team coach to be saying that, I think it's pretty clear. He'll, he'll probably be in the 26-man squad. Well, I mean, one of the biggest problems with Schalke is they're still playing a 34-year-old Maya Yoshida, who arguably was finished uh, eight to ten years ago? Uh, yeah, I was about to say we're you know Southampton's we finest. We we talked about this a, a few weeks ago as well. You know, Schalke's the the players they've got in. They thought that they could basically rock up to the Bundesliga and get through on experience alone. And, you know, obviously that hasn't worked out too well. It's just too much, you know, let's, let's hope that the, the older players can get it, can get it right. And it's just not working out. And yeah, as you said, Yoshida is just, I mean, yeah, he's still made it into the, into the Japan's world cup squad, but still. So I was just looking at their subs, but they got a player called Karim Chalanoglu. Um, funnily enough, not the brother of Hakan Chalanoglu, uh, but he does have a brother called Turan Chalanoglu who plays football. Um, just an interesting side note. <clears throat> so Schalke are going to go down. Yeah. What about Gladbach? What's going on with the Foles? Because again, very hit and miss. I mean, you see it in 
in in their in the last five results, really. They lose five one to Vera Brim, where you know Benzabaini had that freak, you know, heel own goal where he, there was five yards of space around him. We talked about this as well. They go on, win five two against Köln. Then they draw two two against Wolfsburg, and then they get beaten three one by Frankfurt and two one by Union. It just it makes no sense. Arguably, though, you have to give them a little bit of slack or cut them a little bit of slack because one, Jan Zoma out injured. Two, Jonas Hofmann out injured. You know, you've got two massive, massive players who have been out injured. And, you know, uh, Florian Neuhaus has already been out injured for a while. It's not exactly... It, they they don't exactly have a an empty uh, hospital wing in that in that club. And I think they those players are massively missing from the from that team because you know if we're looking at it, Marcus Turam can't carry them by himself, and I know you slated him oh, like quite a lot, but the guy is returning. I mean, he's he's scored eight goals this Bundesliga season. He's only second to Niklas Füllkrug, and he's gotten two assists. So I'd say ten goal contributions in twelve matches. Whether he screws up the most, you know, hundred percent chances on goal or not, he still scored enough of them. Yeah, that was the biggest uh, criticism I had of. Marcus Turam is the fact that he's got, I think, was it the lowest shot conversion of any exactly, but in I mean, Bundesliga. We'll put it this way: he's he's still got the lowest shot conversion and is second in the uh, top scorers list. This is true, but let's be honest: are you not trying to make yourself feel better because he's probably going to join Bayern at some point in the next season or so? No, I'm hoping not, because I mean, oh, this would have been such a perfect segue. Into into our next topic, but I think we we it's can't, fine. We I'll can't bring it up. Away. I'll bring it up again. I'll bring it up again. We, we can't. Let's talk about. We won't Daniel stray away. Farker. I was going to say, we can't stray away because from Gladbach just yet. Daniel Farker was my pick to be first manager sacked because he was absolute dog shit in his last season at Norwich. And I'm going to argue here that he probably stays, or he definitely lasts the full season because I don't think it's his fault. That they're hit and miss. And you have to you have to think about the fact that it's not, you know, we're not talking about a Gladbach who are in 15th or 16th. We're talking about a Gladbach who are in eleventh and they're only, you know, two points behind seventh. This isn't we're we're talking about a Gladbach who also have they've gotten 16 points out of 12 matches. Yes, it's not great, but it's not terrible. It's better than last season. Exactly. So I'd say and you know they're Julian Weigel came in on deadline day. I think arguably he needs more time to get into that role. They still, and because of all the injuries they have, they basically are right now running on fumes until the World Cup. And then they're hoping that by the World Cup, you know, by the end of it, they'll be fine again. Well, it's not just that. They seem to be playing uh, Julian Weigel deeper than he played at Benfica. I'd argue he's got a little bit more of a... um, of an of basically an attacking side to him than he is being played at right now. Yeah, I think in, in an ideal world, well, maybe not an ideal world, depending on how you 
look at it. He'd play in the large Stindl role. Mm, I'd say that I don't. I wouldn't say he's a center attacking man. He's a center man. He's an eight. So it's he's, it's he's still got more attacking worth than I think he's been either showing or allowed to show. Funnily enough, when he was brought into Gladbach, he was asked about the um, or Christoph Kama was asked about uh, the fact that Weigert's coming and he's basically like you know, and Kama is you know he is a six, a center center defensive mid. And Kama was, and he was asked, you know, yeah, uh, what do you think about Vigi? I mean, that's someone who's, you know, plays your position. Uh, what do you think about that? And he was basically just like, you know what? Uh, I think everyone's got talented players. You know, I've got, you know, qualities that the coach needs. He's got qualities that the coach needs. We're all playing at the end of the day. It's, you know, for the common, you just want the team to win, which one very, very mature attitude of looking at it. And two, you know, we say Vaiga isn't being allowed to show his offensive capabilities, but he is still at the end of the day, I think, you know, he is being played at Gladbach in the center defensive mid role. And even though I see him more as an eight, I think he would still say, you know, I don't think it's the problem of being a center defensive mid. But I mean, that's just that's just my opinion. I'd say I'd say he's still got more attacking capabilities than he's letting on, especially when you look at what he did at Dortmund. Oh yeah, definitely, massively. It's just that the bench doesn't doesn't inspire. I mean, Luca Nets is is okay. Patrick Hermann's probably towards the end now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not got that much left in him. Tony Janczyk is definitely you know on his last leg. It, it seems like he's on his last legs, but he's only thirty two. But still, he just he just doesn't like from a. From from basically a physical standpoint, he seems to be on his last legs. But you know, look at who they've got out at the minute. You've got Jan Sommer, Jonas Hofmann, Stefan Leiner, Ko Itakura, um, Dukure. Uh, yeah, no, not really. But Hannes Wolf and Florian Neuhaus, and then Kone is has a one match suspension. So you're missing a lot of first team talent right there. That's why I'd argue the bench is so thin at the minute as well, because you've got team you you right now you're playing your bench players already. So it could be a massive second half of the season then, because if you think I'm not sure how long Jan Zoma's out for, but if he doesn't go to the World Cup, Switzerland are probably in trouble. But then you've also got the likes yeah. of Florian oh. Neuhaus. Switzerland, you have to remember Switzerland also have Gregor Kobe. So Yeah, but Jan Zoma's just so much better. Yes and no. I I'd argue put it this way. I'd argue that Yanzama is better, but Kobe if they had to play Kobe, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Put it that way. Like well, in all honesty. Yeah, true. But it'll be interesting to see. Should we just uh briefly go back to Marcus Turam? Uh because I did say he would be <laughs> joining you. Uh either this coming window after the world cup or on a free in the summer no because if zali hamacic has his wits about him and he seems to have them ever since this summer he will offer chupomoting a fat contract extension and i will tell you why that man 
I mean, for lack of a better word, he's he's literally he's insane. He's he's completely erased any doubt after Robert Lewandowski left. And he's also showing that he has the capabilities that everyone was like, eh, I don't know about him. He seems to be eh, maybe no, not really. I'm sorry. He definitely has. You know, he scored in the last five goals on the trot. I mean, in the last five games on the, uh, on the trot. And six, I don't know. Six, if... six if you count last night against Inter. Exactly, exactly. Counting last night, I was about to ask you. I don't know if you saw the goal that he scored last I night. I did see Inter. the goal that he scored. But for the people who are like, oh, he didn't. He was barely. He was bang average at Stoke. That man just rifled a shot into the top corner against Inter in the group stage of the Champions League for Bayern. He definitely was overlooked. Well, I said it in the intro. One of Stoke City's finest exports. Oh, 100%. And I mean, you say that he had the best manager in or the best agent in football. I'm not yes. sure if it was just the agent. Yes, because his agent managed to finesse him a move to PSG after Stoke went down. Yeah, okay. That, that fair enough. That I'll doesn't give, I'll give happen. You that, much. that that doesn't, you know, uh, error. That doesn't compute. error. That... Error four or four. Flag on the play. This doesn't make sense. But look, five goals in thirty-two for Stoke, including a header at the then at the then Britannia Stadium against uh, Manchester United. I remember that because it was the day I moved into uni. Lol. Shocking. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. Just towered over everyone from a corner. I was like, oh, Christ, I don't, I don't want to go. Take me home. I don't want to go to uni anymore. <laughs> I was about to say, you, you were uh, quite brave to wear the United shirt then after that. But yeah, five aside that day was uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. and then, got, <laughs> and then got nine in 51 for PSG, which again, how? It's <laughs> like, you know, that one of those, one of these things does not belong. <laughs> he played in the Champions League final against Bayern, just. Just as I a, don't as a side note. I don't understand. He was so bad for Stoke. Like, okay, I can't criticize because I'm not a professional footballer. Shock and horror. Look at me. I'm not a professional footballer. But for him to get to uh, FC Nuremberg, to Hamburg, to Stoke, to wherever, he had to have been better than hundreds if not thousands of other people oh yeah there's no doubt about the fact that he has quality on the pitch and on the ball it's not it's not doubting that it's just the fact that you know he's he so rarely did show it now at Bayern I'd argue the reason that they've kind of pulled themselves or pulled themselves out of their different form is because Chupo Muting has all of a, all of a sudden shown I am very much a viable option for the starting 11. And saying you're a viable option for the starting 11 at Bayern München after Robert Lewandowski left? Not bad. Because the reason that one of the main reasons they got Sadio Mane was to basically fill the Lewandowski void. And the person who filled it was already in their squad. It's. They were always going to be like big boots to fill. Yeah, but I mean, if. If there's a better way to fill those shoes right now, I can't see it. 
I mean, I'm not suggesting this stops any any future move for, let's say, Harry Kane. No, it probably doesn't. It, it wouldn't stop. Things, he's 33. You know, you guys, that that's still a fact. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But do you then still, if you know you're going to try and move for Harry Kane, say, in the summer, do you still offer him two years? I probably won't offer him two years. They'll offer him a year. They'll offer him a year, definitely. I'd say you offer him... That you know, they're very Bayern have made a habit out of not offering players over 30 massive contracts, unless it's you know, they're you know, the odd exception, aka Sadio Mane on a three year contract, even though he is 30. But you know, you've got so many good players in that, or, or who could play you know, in the, in the attacking lineup. And they still had problems. And then Chupamuting has just completely erased all these problems. You have to offer him a contract extension. And there are talks of, you know, his salary being massively, massively upped. You know, we're talking about, you know, we can, I think you could, it's safe to say almost that you could probably double his salary with what he's doing right now. Again, you'd be hard pressed to say he wasn't worth it. No, because he's pulled the club out of, you know, one of the worst dips in form in the last 20 years. But, but it's, it's, a, it's a weird one because, I say he's 33. It, surely this isn't sustainable for the rest of the season. Like, surely there's going to be some drop-off point. Yeah, but you, you say that, but it's still... No one expected Chupamuting to do what he's done right now, so I'd argue that you know True. you say it's not sustainable, but arguably he at this point you can't say anything. Now we're we're looking at Chupamuting who is right now on a salary of two point six billion. Well, I mean, this is this is just a man a year talking out yeah. out of bitterness and. And hurt. I was I was hurt by Edinson Cavani. So yeah, I don't want to okay. talk about aging strikers. Probably, probably not. But you know, we're talking about a striker who's I. You know, if if they're talking about doubling his salary, he might even you know, the rate he's going right now, he probably deserves ten mil a year. Well, let's not let's not be silly, but no. Nah. He could probably walk into that office and demand what he wanted within reason. Yeah, probably. I, the one thing I will say, though, you say he's pulled you out of a a bad dip in form. He's not scoring match winning goals, but he's scoring goals. I know. Yeah, I know he's scoring goals. But you know, the the game against Inter yesterday, me and you could have played. It didn't matter. Okay. Okay. But here, put it this way. He's not scoring the match-winning goals, but he's offering Bayern a focal point to play up against, uh, to play against, basically. So they can basically play a ball into the striker who can basically keep the ball. He be, he's that classic number nine, you know, big guy, post up, get it, you know, secure the ball, lay it off, and then score. He adds so much to the game that puts other players in scoring positions. Which is why he's I, for me. He still is the 
the guy who pulled Bayern out of that dip in form because he's the way he teed up Muziala yesterday, or he, te- you know, he he's time and time again, he's always the guy who Bayern wingers are looking for to play the ball into and basically be like, okay, that guy right there, I know he can, I can give him the ball, he'll keep it up until I can get myself into a better position and then he'll lay it off to me, no questions asked. It's not a big problem. Yeah, that's, I, again, it's probably hard to disagree with that, to be honest. Um, but I think it's time we move from Eric Maxine to promoting, and let's, uh, let's look at the Premier League, and it's not always greener elsewhere. Salah! I was about to say, I, I'm pretty sure Graham Potter had a few ideas of how his return to his old club would go. That definitely wasn't one of them. I don't think anyone saw 4-1 coming, to be honest. Oh, hell no. But uh, It's biggest shock. Literally ever. from the minute the whistle went, Brighton hammered them in the first half. Can we just talk about the fact that Chelsea scored two on goals? <laughs> they were. It's an unfortunate thing to happen twice yeah. in one game. But they came at the end of moves or, or periods of the game where Brighton deserved another goal. So they weren't like freak goals. It wasn't like Loftus Cheek went to pass it back to Kepper. Kepper fell over and it went in. It wasn't anything like that. No. And up until up until that point, uh, it was only Leandro Trossard who'd scored under Deserby for Brighton. That's insane, by the way. That guy, I mean, if you need someone in your fantasy team, I think about a solid move for Trossard who won't cost you that much money. Well, probably now he's been scoring, but... Yeah, but still less than, you know, I, a Kevin De Bruyne, for instance. There are cheap options out there. You know, Kepa at the moment is the better of the two goalkeepers. But it wasn't too long ago people were shouting Edouard Mendy as the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, but that was a bit premature. The guy had one good season, yes. I'd argue you had half a good season, to be honest. There you go. Even Yeah, even less. But... This thing is, though, this Chelsea team, I don't fully understand whether it's the players that he's got available to him or, or what, but to not start a Bamiyang. Yeah. And it's no slight on Conor Gallagher. I know they had, I know they've got a game midweek coming up in the Champions League, but Chelsea have already qualified. So would you not? play a front three of Mount Havertz and Aubameyang, would you not play instead of Christian Pulisic, who is utter dog shit, and I will not hear it from anyone. I <laughs> will not hear it from anyone. He is awful, Christian Pulisic, and I absolutely hate people that gas him up. Hakim well, I mean, Ziyech is better. Uh, can we just talk Yeah, can we just talk about the fact that uh, here, uh, Jamie Carragher said, son... It's probably best that you go to Dortmund again. 
yes, it's probably best you you go back to Dortmund. Go go away. <laughs> he doesn't even play for my club, and I I cannot stand the sight of him on a football pitch because he's so utterly awful. And I now know that he's going to score the winner in the World Cup for the USA against England because I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he doesn't uh, wear the number uh, 10 shirt for nothing, you know. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's that clip from, um, you must have seen it, from Porn Stars, where that guy brings in a signed Christian Pulisic shirt in a in a mounted frame. And it's like, oh, yeah, so, you know, he's like the Messi or Ronaldo of American football. And I was physically sick. By the way, I just understood porn stars, not yeah, porn stars. Yeah, uh, porn stars is in like a porn <laughs> shop, not as in like. <laughs> it took it took me a second. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, good lord, man! <laughs> I was I was like, what's this? Did I miss something? What's what that... it? No, uh, there is no uh, scandal around Christian music. <laughs> I was about to say, have, have I been living under a rock? Um, but yeah, no, I. Yeah, okay, the Messi or Ronaldo of American... Fo- no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Gio Reyna at this point is better than Christian Pulisic. Thank you very much. But it's a similar thing that we saw when Chelsea played against United, where they, the first half anyway, the second half they were much better because they made the changes and brought on an extra man Yeah, in midfield, but they were overrun completely overrun because Raheem Sterling as good as his attacking output is defensively is not the one same with Christian no. Pulisic yeah, but that, I don't get why the why they are getting played as wingbacks because they just aren't one I don't know you'd have to ask Graham Potter but the fact that Mark Kukurea is playing at centre-back probably suggests Oof. something's not going well I was about to say because that guy should be playing wingback <laughs> but when you've got so Brighton they didn't pack the midfield they had an extra man like United did. So they had uh, Caicedo, McAllister, and Lalana. Yeah. And then you've also got the likes of uh, Mitama and Pascal Gross will drop in when Soddy March overlaps. I love how that he's like, he's probably one of the best players. <laughs> or what? He's, he's probably one of the players who's got like the best uh, or the longest time in the Premier League with like the best return for money from any German player. Who Pascal Gross? Yeah, it seems that way. Anyway, I mean, yes, of course, there are a lot of other players. You know, I'd argue Kai Havertz probably better return for money. Michael Balak, just to name a few. But still, the fact that Pascal Gross still, still is making waves in the Premier League, you love to see it. He's been class this season for Brighton. Exactly. But it's it's that thing they got overrun in midfield. So when you take off. Obviously, you know, Mark Kukurea came off and Ben Chilwell came on. Ben Chilwell, also a wingback. It's, I don't, I really don't understand. I, but then again, you know, Graham Potter in his post-match, they asked him, well, what's it like coming back to Brighton and what's it like losing to Brighton? He was like, well, I've got nothing to apologize for. I didn't leave Brighton in any bad terms. I didn't. Yeah, kick yeah. up a, a fuss or have a a, a bitch fit because what it's easy to forget because he's lost 4-1 with his new club but he yeah. transformed Brighton from basically relegation fodder into a team with a good structure and a good 
foundation, good set of players. The only thing is, though, they've lost Graham Potter. They've also lost Dan Ashworth, who dealt with all the transfers. He's gone to Newcastle. Yeah, that's a big, big miss. So all those sensible buys that Brighton made, all those good moves in the transfer market. Yeah, they've kind of wandered off, wandered to the northeast. Dan Ashworth, with a lot more money, could probably work absolute miracles. I was about to say, you give him the money now that the Saudis have. Oof. I'm telling you right now, Newcastle, I, I mean, I already said it a couple of weeks ago, Newcastle breaking into the top six, it's not that far-fetched. Well, they're currently fourth, Newcastle, mainly because uh, United have played a game less, uh, the game against Leeds. Yeah, but I'd still argue but, that there's 100% finishing top six at the end of the season. I wouldn't, yeah, again, it wouldn't put it past them, and the way they're playing is fully deserved. Yeah. But Brighton in eighth... I'm just a little bit worried for Chelsea. Not in a relegation sense or a, this could be a horrendous season, but there doesn't seem to be any... What's the word? I don't want to use the word cohesion because that sounds incredibly boardroom. But... Yeah, but I know I, I, I know I what you mean. Think, it doesn't seem... I, I don't think Graham Potter knows his best eleven, which is fair because no. he's only just been there. No, but the the I think for me the thing is that the team that I, I feel like there was just so much more of an actual team of players on the pitch last season at Chelsea. It does it seems like they've gone and made these massive buys, you know, like Kukurea for sixty odd million. And it just doesn't seem to be it, it seems to be going more in a PSG type of manner, but like you know. B Tech PSG because you're buying just a lot of you're spending a lot of money for the fact that there are good players maybe in and of themselves but the team just isn't there and you know you've got players who not you know Christian Pulisic was probably he, he probably was starting 11 material last season he isn't anymore you've got um players like Gallagher coming back in who are basically eager to prove themselves but arguably not on the level that they should be. Um, and then you also have the fact that, you know, you like you may have had the goalkeeper switch, but the back line has also gone through a bit of turnover. You've got Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger who were both who both left. And you, in my eyes, haven't found an adequate replacement for them. And you've got Thiago Silva, who's basically now the main guy in that back line. And he's just getting old, as bad as, as bad as it sounds. Yeah, obviously they've got Koulibaly. Um Yeah, but I'd still argue one guy is not going to replace... Like, the fact that they got, you know, in my eyes, Kugure is just not a centre-back. And Koulibaly, he's only one guy. You can't shore up the departure of two very good centre-backs in Christensen and Antonio Rudiger. And the fact that they both left on a free is just it just makes everything worse. Yeah, it's uh it's not it's not good. But let us know what you think about Chelsea, let us know what you think about Brighton. And before we move on to something you may have missed, uh let's quickly <laughs> have a look at Leeds and Liverpool because a first home defeat since March twenty twenty one, a first defeat at Anfield for Virgil van Dyke. 
that's ins- that is that for me is the more insane statistic utterly ridiculous if you were to put money on the players that he's faced harland aguero uh, abamyang alexis sanchez all the the players that have played against him and no it was chrysensio somerville on the day before his 21st birthday for leeds <laughs> but we'll talk about the performance in a minute it was jesse marsh's comments beforehand where he he I, I won't quote verbatim but he, I'll, he basically said i'm sick of losing i don't like losing as as a player as a manager this is the most i've ever lost damn that's and, a lot as well seeing as he was fired by leipzig <laughs> but that's the thing he was fired before it got this bad yeah, yeah and he said i'm gonna find the players in my team that i can trust and that are gonna fight with me yeah and i wager i know a lot of leeds fans aren't incredibly happy with rodrigo at times because he does stupid things he doesn't think but the likes of brendan aronson tyler adams mark rocker uh, chrysensio somerville rasmus christensen the players he brought in or was able to bring in yeah are the players that are going to fight for them i know it's not been going terribly well for Leeds, but they're now out of the bottom three i mean the fact that you've got mark Rocco, who was just not nowhere near good enough for bayern and now he's playing well for Leeds. tyler adams probably one of the better midfielders or one of the best midfielders that leipzig had at the time it's like it's basically they kind of got the you know the the rejects and a few good players and they've just made a solid solid team out of it and you know not taking anything away from uh Leeds per se but they did face one of the worst Liverpool teams that we've seen in the last 5 years yeah but it's the Liverpool side that let's not forget still beat Manchester City yeah so they I'm I'm not they can't use that as an excuse. I'm not having that as an excuse. You can't beat Man City and then go, oh, yeah, but this is one of the worst Liverpool teams in, in like a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know what you mean. I know. Let's be honest. It's not. It's not even the worst Liverpool team that Jurgen Klopp managed. Yeah, okay, but that's, a, that's because Jurgen Klopp basically took over one of the worst teams that Liverpool ever had. I'm still using it as an argument, okay? <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. I know. I get what you mean. And you know, I think Jesse Marsh is also a manager who inspires players. It's not necessarily the fact that he's got the best tactical mind, but he's got that inspiring factor that basically has players going, you know what, I will go to the ends of the earth for this guy and make sure that he gets the points that he deserves. It is it is very Disney. Yeah. Um, but I mean, come on, what did you expect from from uh from from an American manager? It's it's just there's a lot about heart and, and fight and spirit. Yeah, come on. it is it it's is very it is very like mighty ducks, very um yeah. We can do this on passion and heart alone. Exactly. No, come on, you no might Jesse, he, it won't just quite get, just get Jesse Mar just get Jesse Marshall mustache. You got Ted Lasso 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing they're missing is a believe sign in the uh, in the dressing room. <laughs> exactly, just believe. But obviously, they they're a very high pressing team, Leeds, which led to the first goal. Yeah. Um. Are we going to call it a mistake by Joe Gomez, or is it just unfortunate that Allison slipped? 
Because I'd wager it was a mistake. I'd say it's a combination of the two. It's it, it doesn't look great, but it also is just you know the slip just doesn't help. It's just rotten luck. You know that that is part of the equation. But yeah, I think it's just the the whole combination is just a shit show. <laughs> as as much as as much as it pains me to say it, it's just. Ugh. How so glad I don't have I'm, Allison. I'm just sitting back and enjoying it. Um, I mean, I'm just glad I didn't have I don't have Allison on my fantasy team anymore. Think about the the amount of points that I could have gotten. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Nope. So we've I'm not gonna have that conversation we had a couple weeks ago because we said, What does this mean for Jurgen Klopp? And then they went and beat Man City. So I'm yeah, not no, having no. that conversation again. No, I I still I still don't think it's a thing of, you know, is Jurgen Klopp the right man to do it? He's definitely shown that he can or will get out of that team what what needs to be done you know through man city but it's just it it just is you know still one a liverpool team that are plagued that have been plagued by injuries and you know they they still have a hole to get themselves out of and some players are still not on not in top form yet well I'll give you a, a stat in a second because we love those. Um, Suffer stats, suffer stats incoming. There we go. We need to get a jingle made and hats. But I saw something uh, on Twitter and someone was saying, this is essentially this season, this period is essentially this Liverpool team's version of the last dance. Are we going that far? Well, because their reasoning was the... Uh, it's it's a stretch. It's clutching at more straws than a, a masturbating scarecrow. Um, was the lack of investment by FSG, mm. Fenway Sports Group, for those playing at home? You um, say, yeah, okay. I'm sorry, but, but I don't you think say you lack can... of in, lack of investment. Let me finish. Arwen Nunes. I was just gonna say, <laughs> I don't think you can use that when you've just spent what could be a hundred million euros on Darwin Nunes. That is no, that is definitely not a good argument. I think that is that is a BS argument. They just invested, as you said, up to 100 million in a striker who, if we're comparing, you know, price tags and new arrivals in the Premier League in the striking position, night and day, what you're getting from Haaland and Nunez, and the fact that the comparison was being made so often ahead of the season. Mm. Well, but before we move on uh, from what was a fantastic win for Leeds and <laughs> Liverpool, um, oh my God. look, I've said this uh, to Liverpool fans. I'm enjoying it because for the last, like, what, five, six years nearly, I've not been able to. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Give this to me. Anyway, <laughs> the last time... Virgil van Dijk lost the game at Anfield was in 2017 and he was playing for Southampton. <laughs> I love that stat. That is insane. In the Premier League, I should say. Um I was about to say if we if you know if if we're talking about losses at Anfield in other competitions. Yeah, let's not brush over that. Exactly. We do have a little bit of, well, we say we do have a weird news segment, segment, but this is 
not so much weird news as shocking news, really. Um, and it's the fact that Manuel Neuer had skin cancer and had three uh, operations to basically calm it. And incidentally, now that is the that is the reasoning for his partnership with German tennis star Angelique Kerber and investing in a new line of suntan lotion and skincare products. 100% vegan, 100% uh, plastic free, microplastic free. I feel like I should be getting money for this. I was going to say, Ma Manuel, <laughs> send us an ad read. Exactly. Come on. I'll happily plug. But it's the fact that in obviously you don't keep a lot quiet in football. No, but he managed to do something like that, especially when we have the things like, you know, the um, the tumors that Halea and Richter and Baumgartel had, you know, stuff like that gets around quick. And he was playing with like, a, like you know, now now that they said you know, he trained with and played with a massive Band-Aid on his face and everyone was kind of like, oh, what the hell happened there? And he managed to keep it quiet. That's insane. Obviously, you know. Are, are we are we confident that it's that it's cleared now? Is it that's why the three operations it seemed, cleared it? I think I think it I think it's safe to say that it, that it has been cleared, and you know we're very happy. Obviously, that the best goalkeeper in the world does not have you know a malignant form of skin cancer that's gone very far. Um, and it's just, I think it also goes to show that I think that a lot more clubs should be having you know a cancer check nowadays, maybe in the medical. That they do because this is now the fourth relatively high profile player that we now have in the Bundesliga where some form of cancer was detected. I feel like it should be a standard practice now. Also, before we finish, uh, it's probably just a good, maybe a kick in the ass, maybe if something isn't right or doesn't feel right, get it checked out. Exactly. Our shameless plug to, you know, do the uh, self-examination of the testicles. <laughs> <laughs> Took a turn there. Anyways, I think on that note, we will finish for this week. And of course, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the 50 plus one football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game. <laughs>